Hello. Welcome back to the Creative Chit Chat podcast. Um, I'm Ryan McLeod and this is episode number 90. Um, yeah, it's been a, been a little while. Uh, it's nice to be back with um, a sort of bumper run, um, the first run of, of 2020. Yeah, I've had a bunch of people in the podcast studio um, and a few more still to go for this um, this initial run. So yeah, it's exciting. And you might well have noticed, I don't know, if you like numbers, um, we're coming up to a bit of a milestone for the podcast um, and I thought I should probably do something a bit different. Um, so what I've decided to do, I suppose, is a bit of a, a reflection on... Um, the whole back catalogue I suppose in the journey that I've been on but um, what I'd also like to do is answer some of your questions so open it up to whoever's listening um, to send in questions around I mean I suppose anything really um, within reason um, no smut um, yeah uh, but yeah send me your questions um, over the next few weeks and what I'll do is I'll put them all together into the sort of milestone episode for the podcast um yeah so you can tweet me them you can send me an instagram message whatever so it's at ccc dundee um or if you want to do it on facebook facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash ccc dundee and you can get me through that um but yeah send me pretty much any question that you like um yeah and i'll see if i can answer it in the, in the milestone episode um yeah, so I should probably talk about this week's guest, um, who is Carl Gray, who is a graphic designer, and he, I mean, we've gone to some really interesting sort of wormholes, um, and a, a lot of the, the stuff that we end up coming back to is around confidence, um, and I think from from his experience, it took him a long time to, to build that and continue to get to a place where, where, he, where he had that confidence and his abilities and I suppose his ability to charge for the work that he was creating as well, um, and charge properly. And yeah, we talk about this this sort of battle that he's had with it, the whole confidence. And again, it's a, it's a common theme that has come up um, time and time again around creative work. And also touch on um, what Carl calls um, accountability groups, which are really interesting. So um, for freelancers or for people who run their own businesses, um, just a meet up once a month to chat about um, what you've been up to, um, how it's gone, maybe to score it out of 10 um, and then chat through all the activities you've been doing and what's going happen, what's been happening and, and so what's happening going forward. Um, and really just to keep things positive, to give you some perspective um, and to create that support network that when you're an individual creative, you don't necessarily have around you, um, which I think is a fantastic idea um, and probably be doing that a lot more. Um, and it's a real simple thing to do, um, but could have a massive impact. And I think for me, having that support network, having people around you that you can chat to, bounce ideas off, show work to is... It, I mean, it's invaluable. So yeah, I really, really like that concept. Um, we also talk about calls, I mean, all the content that he's creating and this his discovery of content marketing um, and basically giving away all this stuff for free to, to educate people, teach people. And he sort of created this um, like good-sized audience online um, for all this brilliant content. So, I mean, if you are interested in any sort of graphic design or learning it or just developing your skills, there's, there's everything from... Um, sort of learning about image types to colors to um yeah layout and loads of different things in there so i mean if you are interested in going do go and check it out so the link's in the show notes so yeah that's it let's get into episode number 90 with call gray started with i mean i've always been interested in design um and well when i say design art probably always drawing pictures reading comic books and so it's visual mediums i was like you know really really big on i used to read a lot of fantasy books as well so those really helped paint an image in your head you made up these worlds yourself so i think for a lot of people as well who read a lot of fantasy books and then they see films of it and you're like that's not how am i that's not how they should look and, and that so it was always a big on that always wanted to do design uh left school went to dundee college um well i applied for duncan or jordanston to get on their portfolio course and uh 
No, I didn't. I, I wanted to go to Johnson, but I didn't have a porf- I didn't have a good enough portfolio. So I went to Dundee College to their portfolio course and got told I didn't get onto the course because my portfolio wasn't good enough. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm here to improve my portfolio. Well, what you've got's not good enough. Okay, fair enough. So uh, I I didn't get onto that course, but through some circumstances I ended up getting onto the interior design course because they had a space I had nothing else to do <laughs> I was like yeah I'll do that it was me and all girls um, and I did that for six months and I didn't really enjoy it it wasn't for me it was a lot of life drawing and stuff and I cannot draw you know uh, I'm a designer I take things and, and you know very graphical uh, I'm not hand drawn stuff my sketches for logos and things are atrocious but it gets the ideas down uh, and then it's, halfway it's through that year, kind of interesting though, like that. I think, especially at that stage, um, especially for me, like school, and if you wanted to be arty and creative, you had to draw. Yeah. So no matter yeah. what discipline you're going into, whether it was design, whether it was what animation, whatever, you had to be able to draw. Yeah. And that's just not the reality. Puts a lot of pressure on you yeah. as well because I felt that I shouldn't be doing what I wanted to do. Um, interestingly, in uh, I'm in a couple of groups on Facebook. One of the biggest ones, Logo Geeks. Um, I'm friends with Ian who runs that. And quite often we have discussions where you see on Instagram designers presenting their sketches as mock-ups. Like in like f- those, you buy a, a a Photoshop template, which is like a sketchbook and you put your sketches in it. It's all lovely. Nobody's sketchbooks are like that. And it gives a false impression. So that it's good to have an open conversation. And so many designers are like, I'm so glad that, other people can't draw. I'm like, well, yeah, it's just sketching for me is about getting the ideas out of your head onto the page, just something visual. And usually with sketching, happy little accidents happen. And you go, well, that's a nice shape there. Maybe we could explore that. And um, so I was a bit, a lot of life drawing my figures. And they, they were there was one guy who was teaching the life drawing and he kept saying to me, you shouldn't be here. He, was, he wasn't a, he wasn't the nicest of guys. Um, and then about six months into that year, someone wanted to swap from the graphic design course over to interior. And they said, would you like to swap? And I was like, yes, I would. Please move me over. Um, so I did two and a half years, got my HND in graphic design, um, then went to Jordanston and did animation <laughs> for my degree. I've never used it since. I did three years. I enjoyed it. I made some really good friends. It was a good experience. It felt more like being a student. Dundee College was a continuation of school, it felt like, because it was like Monday to Friday, 9 till 3. It was just a bit school-like. Um, so it felt different going to Jordanston. Learned a lot and then um, just started working in a few studios. Um, and then 2005 started up Pixels Inc. So when you say worked in a few studios, that was as a graphic designer at that point? Uh, first one was Speakeasy Productions in the big city lights of Lunkerty, just outside Perth. And that was, they were looking for, um, I don't know if they were looking for a designer as such, um, but they were a video production in right. the main. Um, and they were needing, uh, I suppose it's more like a Mac operator they just needed someone to do some graphics for video. Okay, yeah. And I I was working in a call centre at the time, um, desperate to get out and do anything. And I think I started on eight grand a year there. Um, they're a great company to work for. Great company to work for. Um, and, you know, they they rewarded each year. So it was. I, I learned a lot from being there. Um, learned a bit about video stuff. I think my animation degree probably helped a little bit in getting that job. Um, very small team. We moved from the the big city of Lunkerty to the even bigger city of Stanley, which is like two miles away, still outside Perth. You know, so still a small place, but uh, it was good. I learned a lot there, um, and uh, kind of moved moved on to a few other places, and some good, some not so good. Uh, learned a lot. Learned a lot of what not to do, how we don't want to treat clients. Um, I found that as my experience of working in companies that were getting bigger and growing, when you start there, it's the clients are Jim, Mary, whatever, you know, how are you doing this week? As it gets bigger, it's how's job number X getting on? We need to get that invoice. We need to get that invoice. And I did not like that. I just did not like that. It felt 
like a, just a machine churning out stuff and I didn't like that at all and I always said if I ever start my own business which I was never going to do because I was too shit scared to do anything like that so no I need a monthly wage I need no I can't be doing that um but then one of the, the the last studio I worked for did not like it um and left with no job to go to um didn't tell them that told them I'd been offered something else um and started up Pixels Inc <laughs> with no money so th there's obviously a, a was there a change of mindset for you or was it this job is so bad I just need to get out? That job was so bad I needed to get out. I was physically ill, mentally, physically, thinking about going to work the next day, uh, being in work. It's just the way that studio was run. It was, it, was, it was just the, you know, we talk about culture these days. The culture was bad. It was bad, 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 bad. It gives, I still, it, it brings the feelings back. Um, and so, um, yeah, I just, I can't do this anymore. I just cannot do this anymore. I need the money, but I can't do this anymore. Um, and uh, just kind of phoned home and said, I'm away to resign. And um, did. And it was just, it was scary, really scary. And I started Pixels Inc. with no clients, um, no money. I had one guy who... Um, I'll just say it's Gordon Dukers from he had GA Engineering um, and they make like parts for like the oil industry and stuff and uh, I went to him because I knew him from working at a previous company and said you know if you need anything <laughs> I'm now working on my own um, and he was really nice to me and he's you know m multi-millionaire and I done really well and he gave me 250 quid he just gave me 250 quid and said I started with this you know I don't want anything for it hopefully it'll give you the right stuff. And I always remember that. That was a big, big gesture to me. I thought, you know, there are some nice people out there after the, the horror that I'd gone through. Um, so that that made me go, because I was always worried about speaking to business people. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. business people, they're not like me. Um, they're going to use me and, you know, and some do. Um, but I had zero confidence to let people walk all, walk all over me. I needed the work, as a lot of designers do, and they'll do it for nothing to grow your portfolio. And it's one thing I would say to any young designers, don't do that. Charge something. Make people understand that there is a value behind it. It could be 20 quid. Charge them something. Don't just do it for nothing. I wish I'd done that at the start. Um, Leapfrog like quite a few years and then I joined up with a, a web design company based down in uh, Norfolk. We had a mutual client who'd introduced us both, introduced Gary to me and said, I think you guys would get on quite well. I was I was okay at designing websites, terrible at building them, but everybody wanted a website. Uh, and I felt that, like probably a lot of designers do when they start as well, you have to offer everything. Mm -hmm. You have to be the one-stop shop so that they stay with you. And so, and Gary and that, they were struggling with the design side, but they were developers. And so it seemed like a perfect thing. So I joined up with them for four or five years, but we kicked off that relationship in late 2008, 2000, early 2009, when the recession kicked in. <laughs> we had these big plans. We weathered all of that, but it didn't go the way we wanted it to go and we parted ways. So the big change for me came in 2014 when um, I went back to being a sole trader and I'd learned a lot over the previous wee while and thought, I'm going to do this slightly differently. I'm going to actually start to value myself a little bit more. Easier said than done. Um, and just have more confidence with my with my abilities. I think, because I worked on my own, you know, for a lot of the time. Um, and even if, you know, you're like, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. I like that. And then when it comes to sending it to the client, you're like, loads of self-doubt. And do I send it to any designer friends to get their feedback? You know, but they don't know the whole story. They might say something, but they don't understand the client and why I've done this. So I think it's, you know, different. Maybe like, you know, you and Lyle kind of work as a team. So you can kind of just turn around in your chair and go, what do you think of this? You know, I'm working on for this client. And sometimes you just need that little bit of, support yeah, yeah that's really good because I, I, I think like self-doubt is a massive thing imposter um, syndrome self-doubt all of that yeah stuff. especially in the 
the creative industries, especially amongst people who run their own practice mm -hmm. or who run like small studios or, or whatever. And it's like even just having that one person on your shoulder just to reassure you or or to pick something up that you've never thought about before you make a blunder or before yeah. you send something over and you go, oh, oh, did I that, miss that? that yeah. typo I've been looking at for <laughs> yeah. like the last week and I've just yeah. not seen it. And it's like sometimes you need that, whether it's someone to work alongside, whether it's someone in the space next mm -hmm. to you, someone that you like, that you trust, that you can sort of share things with and yeah. go, can you just take a look at it for me? Yeah. Um, and that can be, that can be massive. Um, it can make a huge difference and and they could also say have you thought about just doing that and you and that becomes the solution and you're like oh i'm so thankful you've done that they, well yeah i've only said that because you've done a lot of the previous stuff i'm just picking that up mm -hmm. and and that i did kind of you know miss that side of it i have looked you know you get busy you get really busy for a, like a very short period and you go i need to employ people and then i go oh but what if this doesn't last and then i have uh, a wage and all of that stuff and I've always felt that I've lacked the confidence I, I watch other people who have who've started design businesses way after I have and they're like now really big businesses they've got lots of staff they've got they're dealing with massive clients and I'm like why why haven't I done that what's holding me back and it's and it's not I, I don't know I think I have employed some people part-time over the years and the the feedback has always been it's been great working with you but you're a shit boss <laughs> in the respect of I'm not boss like enough okay I just would I, I didn't like saying to people have you finished that yet or how are you getting on with that you know we need to we need to speed things up come on we need and I think people felt that I was just giving them too much leeway so there was the, you know there's too far one way and then you've got the other end where like the job that I left because the managerial side of it was just horrific um, and because I just want to be people's friends <laughs> I just want them to feel like it's nice but I understand that people sometimes need the authority of someone as well to say we need to get this finished so there needs to be a deadline there needs to be this and what would often happen is I'd end up finishing the job myself so what's the point um, so I've, I've 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 not employed someone I've, there's been a couple of times where I've um, I've interviewed and it's felt like the right time and then something's happened. Um, so right now I work with Stuart um, and Stuart does some subcontracting design work for me and it's great to have that, you know, just once a week or whatever, catch up, have a wee little brainstorm, give him some stuff. It's not, you know, it's just that little bit of help. And I've now got a VA as well, Holly, who um, uh, is now starting to take on my blog writing and the stuff that you know needs to be done to kind of educate people um so she's taken on that for me because i should be doing it but i don't because I, just... I mean that's that's a massive part of who you are what pixels inc is now. it is and that's kind of where i'm probably getting to in my story and it's like you know four or five years ago there was a big shift for me when i heard the phrase content marketing for the first time and i was like what the hell is content marketing? i'm doing that I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm putting content out. I'm trying to market myself. Didn't understand. Didn't have a clue what it was. Thought I did. Didn't. Um, and met this guy, Chris Marr, um, and his business was called Learning Every Day at that point. Um, and he was the way to do this masterclass, six month masterclass. And up to that point, just before I'd, I'd, I'd spent all the money I had a few months before, six months before, on a business coach. I needed to do something. I was treading water. I couldn't seem to make any more than 20 grand a year. Now that's that's turnover, not, uh, you know, net profit. I was just, and I seemed to be working super hard all the time. And I'm like, I can't, something's limiting me here. Um, and it was confidence. Uh, Laura Lucas was my business coach and she introduced me to Chris and said, I think you need to speak to Chris. And it just seemed to be this kind of thing where I was like, I've got nothing to lose. Let's let's try this stuff, um, and I don't think enough people invest in themselves, um, but not everyone's got the money to do it, and that was that's the struggle sometimes. But from my experience, when I've invested money in myself, it's given me a boost of confidence to either up my prices or approach a different type of client, and it's paid for itself every single time. Um, 
But the content marketing was basically, uh, in a nutshell, just be as helpful as you can, no sales pitches, just give away your knowledge, which some people are uncomfortable with. It's like, yeah, but if you tell them how to do it, why would they use you? It seems counterintuitive to start with. But yeah. you're like, yeah, but how often have you watched something to do it? You know, oh, okay, he's showing me how to do that. <sighs> a, it's not what you really want to be doing. It's not a good use of your time, or you probably won't make a good job of it. So you go, well, you know what? This person seems to know what they're doing. Why don't we just hire them? And, you know, not everyone's going to do that, but it was a game changer for me. It was like, okay. And and what it did was it also helped me. You'll know yourself, right? When, you, when you're designing something, you kind of go into almost muscle memory. You have a routine and you just do it. When you have to record something showing people how to do something, you have to put it into a process that they can understand. And that was really difficult. I'm like, okay, I just normally go and do this, but I now have to explain why I'm doing this, why it's important, why you do it in this order and not another order. So I learned a lot about myself. Um, it helped me to develop processes, which is the biggest change for me. By having a process, I could charge more because after before that, it was like, I will design you something. And then that's when people think you just press the design logo button, produce leaflet button. If you have a process that says, here's the process, here's what we do. We do some research. We, do, um, we have some video sessions and we would do a bit of strategy, all of that. They can then see how much is going to go into it and they then treat you more like an expert and a professional. I think as designers, we're not treated... Personally, I don't think... I think the people who understand the value of design treat you as a professional. Those that don't treat you... I don't know. It's much more of a commodity, mm -hmm. like anything else. I need I need to buy a printer. I need to buy a, a camera. I need to buy a designer. I think a lot of, for a lot of people were in that. Because of things like Canva and stuff, you know, I could do that in Canva myself, or... Yeah, I need to buy a logo, I need to buy a website. Yeah, it's yeah, and it's like, always at the last minute. It's the last thing to think of when they're yeah. starting their business. Um, so by doing the, the content and helping myself understand what it is I'm doing and educating like the audience that are reading or, or watching, and I think the biggest, the, the thing that, I mean, Chris was teaching us how to write blogs and how to do, podcasts and how to do video to get content out there but still bloody scary because mm -hmm. you're putting yourself out there and I wasn't worried about the people I was targeting I was worried about what other designers were going to think he's talking bollocks no way that's that's not how you do it and, and I was like oh my god and Chris said he said a great thing to me he said um because I was also worried as well. I was like, but there's there's millions of designers already doing blogs and doing videos and stuff. And he's like, yeah, but... And I said, it's this, and you can only do it one way. It's You either do it the right way or you don't do it the right way. And he said, is that strictly true? I said, well, maybe you can kind of weave in and out a little bit. He said, but remember, only you will deliver that content in your voice or your personality. Um, he said, and if someone comes back to you, that's their opinion. You're allowed to have an opinion. I'm scared of having an opinion because I don't like confrontation and I just don't want people coming back to me. But Chris gave me the confidence to do it and one of the things that made me jump to to video was I had a client come in, potential client, and, and I asked them at the end of the meeting if they could send me a JPEG of their logo, their existing logo, so I could have a look at it and price up what I thought needed to be done. And I didn't hear from them again. Um, it was about six weeks later, I, I was at a networking event and they were in the room and they were actively avoiding me. And I thought, they've gone to someone else and they're embarrassed that I didn't get the job. So I went over to them and said, hey, how are you doing? You know, I was ready to say, it's cool. This is how the industry works. You find someone else that you think, you know, would be a better fit or whatever. And I'm really sorry I didn't get back to you. I said, so how's the, the project going? She said, no, I've not started it yet. I've not given it to anyone. I was like, all right. He said, I was really embarrassed. I was like, why? He said, well, did I say something at the at the, at the the meeting? She's like, no, no. He said, you asked me for this, to send you this this thing, and I didn't know what it was. And I was like, and I couldn't think what was, and it turned out that she didn't know what a JPEG was. 
And she felt, because of the way I said it, so just, yes, in JPEG, that she should have known what it was. Now, there'll be people thinking, well, why didn't she just Google what a JPEG is? But people think in different ways. Um, and I was mortified. I was like, oh, my God. And it's that kind of cursive knowledge thing. You just take things for granted that you deal with every day. Mm. And, I, and, and that, to me, made me go, right. You know what? Because I was struggling. I didn't know what content to put out. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to go. I'd already done a couple of videos. What is a brand and the five different types of logos? And I thought, you know what? I actually need to go right back, right back to basics. What is a JPEG? You know? Um, and, you know, or I think I did what is a bitmap and what is a vector, something like that. And um, I made the conscious decision that my content would be aimed at business owners. Whereas a lot of the other designers who were doing videos and podcasts and stuff were aimed at other designers, how to be a better designer, how to win clients, how to do this. Whereas I'm like, well, I'm understanding that actually clients don't know how to communicate with designers. And if I can help them, any designer is going to have a much better relationship because the client's going to know. And it will also stop because I, I still felt there was a lot of there was some designers out there pulling the wool over clients' eyes because they didn't know what things were and and kind of charging money and stuff. Where I don't mind people charging money. I want the design industry to be able to charge a lot more mm -hmm. than, than people do. But I don't like it when people are charging money because just because of people's lack of knowledge. Yeah, um, and I mean, it, it still happens all the time where the, people will take on work that people don't necessarily need. Um, and charge them a lot of money for yes, it. Yes, yeah. They don't need that right now. They need that in three years' time, but if I can get out of them now, I'll get out of them now. Um, whereas in three years' time, that's probably not the right solution at that point. You're going to have to do it again, so you're getting... Well, you might not get it twice because they may feel, well, they've kind of been ripped off there. And then what happens? The whole design industry gets tarred with that brush. And so there's... <laughs> it's not a crusade, but it's just I just want to make a little bit of a difference to help help business owners but at the same time help us as designers be able to charge more and, and do stuff and i think there's more there's other people out there doing that but i don't think there's enough people creating content to help business owners i think there it's easier it would be so much easier for me to create content to help younger designers don't make this mistake that i made or do this or do that but there's enough people out there doing but then that. i still think a, like a lot of the the, the, sort of the youtube content that you've got is great for young designers. Oh, it is. I've got tons of young designers. And my biggest audience is like India right. and Pakistan. That's okay. where most of my subs are. That's because they're going to take over the world. Yeah, you know? <laughs> and, and they're really engaged and they're always leaving comments and stuff and it's really good. Uh, you do get the odd. I remember getting my first my first um, bad comment and taking it like a knife to the heart. You know, it's like, oh my God. Right, I'm going to give up video. Um, it was, uh, and I am going to swear because it was uh, this. I'm reading this. Is it was a? Uh, uh, why do you speak so fucking slowly? <laughs> that was the comment. Um, and I mean, that's that's not the worst comment to get. No, it's not. Um, I think what it is is when I look at a lot of other YouTubers, especially American YouTubers, they speak so fast, and I think that's a reason I have such a high subscriber count from non-English speaking countries is because I speak, I pretty much speak like this. Um, I understand that English isn't their first language. And so, you know, I have captions as well. I have English captions, but I've always kind of sp spoken slowly. And, and some of it's because I'm trying to remember what it is I'm going to say. Um, and I learned that you can pause to let your brain catch up. You don't have to fill that kind of time. You can just leave a bit of silence. And what happens is people lean in because they're waiting to see what you're going to say next. And so I didn't, I kind of took it badly and I was going to, um, I was going to kind of reply and say, well, the reason I do this is, and um, I have an accountability group, a couple of uh, friends and uh, clients as well. And we, we meet up once a month. And kind so of what's, what's an accountability group? Uh, basically holding one another accountable to keep doing things well, you know, um, and I think most importantly to not beat yourself up when things aren't going so well, because I think when you're when think you when things aren't going so well, you forget that there are still small things that are going well. So once a month we meet up and just have a review of what we've done over you know the the past few weeks, and I need them. 
um, especially working on my own. I think you can, you know, as the four weeks are coming up, you start to dip a little bit. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you're, you know, in a good space. But after every accountability meeting, I feel great and ready to kind of take on the world. We all boost one another up, you know. Normally, you know, so on a score of out of 10, how, how do you think this month's gone? You'd be like, four. By the end, they'll go, okay, let's reevaluate our scores. What do we think they are? And, you, you, you know, you'd be like, seven, eight. It always goes up because you talk about stuff. So if you are working on your own, um, I highly recommend that you, you know, just group up with some friends. Um, it doesn't have to be the same. It doesn't have to be other designers. It could be anyone. I think it's better if it's someone else in business and someone who's running their own business, if you're running your own business. And generally, if you're in a team working as an employee, the accountability should be there anyway because you've got a, a structure. But when you're running your own business or you're a freelancer and you have nobody to speak to and things are seeming really tough, you'd be amazed how much an accountability group can help you. It builds in that support structure that we were talking yeah. about earlier yeah. on. So, I mean, how long have... When did you create or become part of that group? Not long after starting with the Content Marketing Academy, it was okay. one of Chris's things. Um, we created little groups um, in the membership. Um, and uh, I've had a few, you know, some people kind of join the membership and then they leave. Um, and so you, you fill that gap with with someone else. But Cara, who um, runs Gillies and Mackay, they make the best timber buildings in the world. Um has been in the my accountability group since the start, and and Cara was a client of mine before um, we did content marketing, and it was funny. I asked her along to the and and Cara, Cara's quite outspoken, um, and she's she's been banned from LinkedIn a few times for her language on LinkedIn, um, but uh, you know she's great. Her tone of voice in terms of branding and stuff is, is fantastic. Uh, they do make the best timber buildings in the world, you know, summer houses and stuff. Uh, and and her content's brilliant. And she was like, oh, I want to go along to this. And they said, we'll probably go to the pub after it. She's like, I'm in. So we went along to that and the two of us were in there. And um, the weird thing is, is that uh, she's now Chris's partner and they've got a baby together. So <laughs> a little bit of kind of, you know, um, intro introduction to people. Um, so... Cara's been part of my accountability group, and I think it's important that if you have people in your accountability group, they have an understanding of you. Um, sometimes that won't form for a little while, um, but definitely do it. Accountability groups have been huge for me, huge. Just they've helped me to build confidence when I wanted to up my pricing or you know stuff like that. But that mixed in with the content marketing has helped. YouTube has really helped. I now have, you know up before I started doing content marketing, my clients would have been in Dundee maybe a little bit further afield. Now I've got clients in the States, Australia, uh, South Africa, all over purely because they're watching videos and getting in touch with me. Not millions of clients, um, but I find that amazing. And um, the trust is higher, I think, because they see you producing content and the trust is there, um, so you know what you're talking about. Yeah. And also when they speak to you, they feel like they already know you. Mm -hmm. Up till that point, when someone contacts you, you don't know them, they don't know you. Um, and so there's this kind of thing of, are they the right fit for me? And am I the right fit for them? Which is just as important for a good relationship. I think video, probably podcasting as well, um, where there's, and blogs, where there's, people can kind of get an idea of your personality. Um, there's been times where people have contacted me and I'm just like, yeah, I'm not, you're looking for someone not like me. Um, and I will recommend, I know enough people and say, I think you'd be a good fit for X and do that. So, so what that, that's interesting. And um, I think, again, it comes back to what you've talked about a lot. So confidence, but turning away work. Yeah. And, and I need the money some <laughs> of the time, but. So what, uh, what would it be that would make you turn away a certain project? Doing the right thing for the customer. Is, and that's what content marketing is about as well, is about what's the right thing? How can you be the most helpful person? And for me, sometimes the most helpful thing I can do is not work with that client. Their time's valuable, as is their money, and my time's valuable. If I take on a client who's not right for me, and then somebody comes along the next day who is right for me, and I can't take that client on because I'm working with a client that's not the right fit for me, 
that's a risk though because that work might not come in the next day but I think once you get that confidence I think it does help and I think when the confidence comes plus the thing is well, when you tell people you don't want to work with them they often want to work with you more <laughs> why is he turning me away and I don't do it in a way you know it's always explained it's not like I don't like you or anything like that. it's just I just I'm not sure that our personalities would work or it might just be that I'm you know it's not a project which is something that I want to take on at that that point so so what is it that makes a good client in your eyes um a client that's not already made their mind up um especially as I'm doing more I'm starting to do more strategy elements in my design before it would be if someone came if someone was an accountant and they came to me and they said I need a logo I would create a logo that looked like it was a logo for an accountant that's just what I would do um, and and at that point that wasn't wrong for me that's that's what I would do you know and that was the best of my knowledge now what I do is I have a process uh, like a six-point process that we go through and we have to go through two points of that process before I even look at sketching the logo and um, so now for me the logo fits the results of the process so the logo's right for that client and their business it's not the logo's designed because that's what people expect an accountant's logo to be because most people want the business to be based around them like their personality and like i've said i want to work with people i want to work with so do other people and so your branding can push people away as well as bring people in and i think that's important and especially websites i think a good page to have on your website is who we're not a fit for um i learned that from from content marketing and a, a guy called marcus sheridan who's written a book called they ask you answer seems very obvious um but marcus is an absolute genius at doing that um, and I learned a lot from that and he was the one that said you should have a page that says who we are not fit for you know if you're looking to if you're looking for a designer that's going to be a yes man I'm not the right fit for you if you're looking for the cheapest design I'm not the right fit for you and it's just a it just lets people go yeah yeah we don't have much of a budget and they'll go so you're not taking up time writing proposals and thinking about pricing that's not going to go anywhere um now, saying that, I don't have a who are you a fit for. Um, I've got all that stuff going on in the background, which should be done, but isn't. It's one of those things where you advise others, do this, do this, do this, and then you look at your own stuff and go, I've not done that yet. I've not done that yet. Um, but the stuff I do advise people, it, it does come with backup. It, I can show them data that says, this has worked for this client, that client. It does work. Um, it's just I haven't got the time to do my own stuff but that's changing now that I've got Holly and stuff helping me out to start to move my own it's that it's the cobbler's bairns thing you know you, you're so busy helping clients you just can't work on your own stuff and it's important that you do because you need to be showing these new clients where you're at and the type of work you're doing so it's just you know even getting asked to do podcast interviews and stuff is a big shift it goes, you know, who would have asked me to do a podcast seven years ago? It's like, just, I think just, you just have to raise your head above the parapet at times and, and take a risk and put yourself out of your comfort zone. I am way out of my comfort zone. Um, quite shy by nature, but I'm okay once I'm in front of a client, you know, but. Um, so, I mean, let's dive into that a little bit around this, this idea of personas. Because um, I think we've chatted to a few people about this and mm -hmm. how you sort of take on different personas in different parts of your life. Yeah. So you'll have a family persona, you'll have probably multiple ones at work, whether you're, I mean, doing something like this, it's a lot more public yeah. facing. And when you're doing stuff that's client facing and when you're just getting your head down and getting stuff yeah. done. So yeah. how is the, how are those personas, how are they broken down for you and how have they changed sort of as you've gain this yeah, confidence. I mean, the, the funny thing for me is that um, uh, I don't feel that my persona does change that much. Um, I'm pretty much me the whole time. Maybe it's different with family stuff. I think that is where you can things can be very different. But I'm, I'm pretty much 
I have been me. I remember when I, I mentioned Laura, my business coach, one of the first things we did was the, you do the thing, the personality test thing. I don't think it was a Myers-Briggs one. It was, but you had to, I had to stand on a big mat and she asked me questions and I would move left or right or forward or back. Um, and when we did that, and it gives you colours, I think it's red, yellow, blue and something, and it shows what type of personality you have. Red, I think, is like quite command, uh, commandeering and, you know, chief exec kind of stuff. And I think blue is a bit more kind of a bit reserved and, and things. But with these tests, apparently, depending on the questions, like it has your main personality, as we're talking about there, but then also you can, when you're in different situations, you can pull bits from the red into the blue so that you adjust and just say, <laughs> we did mine. Mine was exactly the same. I've never seen that before. You're the same here and you're exactly the same when it comes to this as well. Says, that's really unusual. And that's why I'm saying, I don't think my persona changes that much. Um, so when people are seeing me on YouTube or hear me on a podcast and when they come for a meeting with me, I'll be exactly the same. I'm very open. I'm very honest. Um, I'm open about how much you know uh, income the business has, and I just I don't have any fear around that. It's just you know I'm just pretty open with it all. Sometimes maybe too too open, um, but I just want to make people feel relaxed that I'm not hiding anything, and you know it's like they can be the same because I think. If they can be the same, they feel they can be the same, as much as they're willing to, it really helps me as a designer understand them, especially if it's a solopreneur type business or, you know, or maybe you, then you really get to know them and you can, through the strategy sessions, build a business which is based around them, which will attract the type of clients that will work well with their personality. Bigger businesses where it's like boards and stuff, um, there's ways to, to work around that. There's exercises to do. It's a bit more difficult because you're with that, you're working around the personality of the business, not the personality of the people behind it. So that's a bit more bit more complex and a, you need to charge more for that. There's more work in that. But uh, yeah, I think, I, but I do, I know people who do have very different personalities when I speak to them and then I've seen them on podcasts or doing video. I'm like, wow, you're a, it's like you have a TV, a TV personality persona, and then you've got the down the pub one. It's you know so. But again, it's funny. Sometimes you can't see yourself from the outside. So you know, if you if you ask someone that knows me well, so do you think Carl has a different persona? They may say, yeah, he does. But I can't really see it myself. Mm. So, so yeah, interesting. So I suppose thinking a bit more generally, um, what. To you, what is design? Oh, I knew that question was coming. Um, there's the whole thing of, you know, oh, design solves a problem. You know, straight from the books, you know, design solves a problem. Um, I've never, when it comes to design, I've never been like a like an art gallery person or like, you know, I don't go to a lot of design type stuff. Um I've just always liked how things flowed with it. Um, I don't see it as a means to an end. It's not like, you know, design for me isn't like, oh, I need to make a living. Um, I do enjoy what I do. Um, and it's really weird. I'm going to go back on myself and say, I think it is it's because I'm solving problems. You know, someone has an issue in their business or needs to raise awareness and... I feel privileged to have the ability to take the information and create something that they're like, that's it. That's the thing that's going to help me. Um, I'm trying to come up with a really cool philosophical, well, design is this. And it's, I don't know. I've never really thought about it. It's, that, it's like that muscle memory thing I talked earlier. I just do it. And it's, um, I think, I think, from my perspective and where I'm at at the moment, um, I'm doing a lot, like I say, I'm doing a lot more strategy with design. So for me, the two of them are kind of now hand in hand with one another. Prior to that, I was designing stuff that was doing something for a client, but it maybe wasn't as purposeful as 
as it could have been. Um, whereas now, a lot of design I do has a very solid purpose for it, which has changed the way I design stuff. Definitely, you know, it's definitely different results. And the weird thing is, well, every job I do now is like one I'm most happy with because I'm just like, yeah, this is following the process. I can see that this is actually ticking these boxes. Whereas maybe early on, you could say what I was doing was more like art. You know, it was something to be looked at and appreciated. Um, whereas, you know, design solves a problem or it does a job. It has a job to do as opposed to like something I'm creating, which is just nice to look at and it's not really achieving much. So as a long roundabout answer just to try and... Not at all. I mean, you could talk about that for hours. Yeah, it means a lot to different people, but that's, for me, that's kind of where I'm at with it. So what, for the future, what excites you? Um, I am pretty excited for, uh, selfishly for my own uh, future. I can see, I can see kind of things changing. Um, just that reach of putting content out there and and getting to work with people all over you know all over the world i've got a call with a guy next week to start a project he's based in san antonio texas you know and he's a really cool guy and it's just that excites me being able to work with people all over the world from different cultures um which is quite scary because you're so used to just designing stuff for like scottish people or whatever um so you have to start to learn what might not be appropriate or especially if you're only doing stuff for Scottish people, you can get away with a lot, um, but it's different, you know? Um, so I'm excited about that. I'm excited about uh, potentially growing my business. Um, maybe not employing people, but maybe building more of a, an, I suppose an agency type business where I'd have designers that I could call upon and do it that way. I think that's the best model for me. Um, not feeling obligated to other people's mortgages. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm excited about that. I'm starting to get more confidence in that. Um, and just excited as well about how I can help other people. I think there's a, as designers, we've got this really cool thing that we have a legacy that we can leave behind. Unless the client changes the logo two, two years after you've done it, which is always a bit of a, oh. But okay. then with you, you've got hours of YouTube content as a legacy. Yeah, as well. that's and that all you know, the like uh, we kind of mentioned before the podcast, um, some of that early stuff. I wish wasn't there, but you know, I think it's interesting for people it's to to leave that stuff up anyway. It's not bad. It's just it's not. I was reading a script at the time. Um, I'd hairsprayed my beard so it wouldn't move. <laughs> I was like proper perfectionism. This has to be perfect. I'm a designer, this has to be perfect. And, and I look at it and go, that's not perfect. And in fact, it looks so perfect, it's not real. Whereas now, I just kind of turn up, hit record, and just I'm a bit more like this. I but talk it, like this. Again, it comes back to confidence. Yeah. Confidence in the imperfections. Yeah. And feeling comfortable with that because you're only human, everybody is. And the more little imperfections people can see, it actually builds more trust. They're a real person. I want to work with a real person. Um, and the last, probably the last thing I'll say is that one of the biggest uh, impact videos I put up recently was a video where I went through a process, went through my entire process uh, of a client project. And it was, I just called the video something like client, uh, a real client rebrand and went through. And I, warts and all, what didn't work? What went wrong? How did we fix it? What didn't I listen to? What did what, what was I missing? And that's got massive reaction. And the guy that I'm speaking to next week from San Antonio watched that video and said, I want to work with you. So it's just, you know, don't be scared to say, we had a problem. There's nothing worse than reading clients' uh, uh, case studies on design websites where it's like, it was brilliant. The whole thing was brilliant, smooth as you like. And you, as a designer, you're going, that's a lot of crap. What went wrong? Tell us what went wrong. You know, because you obviously fixed it because it was a good job in the end. And people will relate to that and go, I've got that problem. And they fixed that problem. So if people don't know about problems you fix, then how are they going to know that you're the right person? Yeah, I think it's about having that that more honest approach. And we're seeing that throughout branding, throughout um, brand voices. Yeah, absolutely. Big corporations trying absolutely. to um, um, make themselves seem that bit less faceless. Some are using it as tactics. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And you can kind of see through it. But I think, 
I, I do think genuinely they're trying. Um, but I think when you're so big and you've got boards and they're like, yeah, how will that affect the bottom line? Can we do this? Will that make us more money if we look like we care? You know, and it's that we look like we care. But I do think, you know, the, I think Unilever are one of the big brands right now that are, I think are actively trying to make the right shift um, with their purpose stuff, you know, with all their plastics. Um, and I've got a client um, who actually was the video that I did and they, they're called Even Break and they help disabled people uh apply for jobs they run a jobs board and big businesses uh, or all businesses can advertise and it's specifically looking to employ people with disabilities that's what those jobs are for and um, Unilever have joined up with that as well so they're trying to change their inclusivity policies and all the rest of it so it's great to see that because the world needs it you know so deep ending yeah. <laughs> so if, if anyone does want to find um, you and all the content that you yeah, have, um, um, where do they do that? Probably the easiest way is to go to my website, which is pixelsinc.com, and you'll get links out to kind of my YouTube channel. But if you want to just go there, it's youtube.com forward slash pixelsinc. Great. Thanks very much. You're welcome. So that was it. Yeah, episode 90. Thank you very much to Cole for coming on and being, I mean, very open and honest. And I sort of get the feel that that's just how he is all the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you are interested in uh, graphic design or you want to learn a bit more about it or you want to develop your skills or you're going to be commissioning it or any of that sort of stuff, um, yeah, I'd really recommend Cole's YouTube channel. There, I mean, there's so much on there, whether you want to just dip your toe in or, or whether you do want to learn uh, like some bits and pieces about graphic design. It's a really great um, way of doing it and it's a really low barrier to entry, but then there's much more complex stuff about process and other stuff in there as well. So, yeah, I, I mean, an amazing, amazing resource um, for like whatever you are, I suppose. Um, yeah, so go and check that out. Um, as I said at the start of the episode, I'll sort of be plugging this for the next few weeks. Um, I am going to be doing a sort of Q&A style episode in the not too distant future. So I need your questions. Um, yeah, you've got a wee bit of time to think of them, but do send them in. Yeah, ask, ask me anything. And hopefully I can give you some insight around the podcast journey so far. Um, and maybe where I kind of want to see it go in the future. But yeah, we'll see. But if you've got any questions, um, yeah, just send me them on Twitter and Instagram. So it's at CCC Dundee. Um, you can be on there. And yeah, until next week with another um, brilliant guest. Bye.